Shalom, shalom. Welcome, welcome, world changers. Tonight, I feel, is going to be a special night. Start out with Isaiah chapter 7. It's a very famous passage in there going into Isaiah chapter 8. I'm going to be comparing the Masoretic with the Septuagint this time. And also, we're going to get into the book of Amos, Amos, the prophet Amos. So awesome tonight. So awesome. We're going to talk about Emmanuel. We're going to talk about it is not in accordance with the modern corrupt Christian narrative. I'm going to be sharing my screen in just a moment. We're going to talk about Isaiah chapter 7. Of course, there's that very, very famous little verse in there that Christians love to use as well about the virgin will conceive and all that kind of thing. Um, we'll talk about that. And we'll go into Isaiah chapter 8. We'll, we'll uh, compare the Masoretic with the Septuagint. And then we're going to get into the prophet Amos. Amos. This is Isaiah chapter 7, for those of you who are on YouTube. Uh, on the left-hand side, you see the NASB, which is based upon the Masoretic. On the right-hand side, you see the Brenton English translation of the Septuagint. And so that's, that's on the right-hand right side. Uh, so let's do this. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 1. Now it came about, the, this is the NASB, it came about in the days of Ahaz, the son of Yotham, the son of Oziah, king of Judah, that Razin, the king of Aram, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not conquer it. So in the Septuagint, it says, it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Yoatham, a different spelling, okay, and different pronunciation as, as opposed to the Masoretic. It's the same name, especially. It's the same name, but again, different, different spelling, different pronunciation, same name. Then it says, son of Ozias. Ozias, again, different spelling, different pronunciation as, as opposed to Uziah, king of Judah, and came Rasim as opposed to Razim king of Aram, and Fake, Fake in the, in the Septuagint, as opposed to Pekah, okay, uh, son of Romelius, as opposed to Remaliah. Remember I said that the Greek, because, you know, the Septuagint is Greek, right? It's a Greek translation of the uh, Hebrew. So, you know, we see many times that the Greek adds this S at the end of names for some reason, like Ozia instead of Uzia. It's Ozias, okay? Um, and Remalia turns into Remalias, king of Israel, uh, against Jerusalem to war against it, but they could not take it. Verse 2, I'm reading on in the Septuagint here. And a message was brought to the house of David, saying, Aram has conspired with Ephraim, and his soul was amazed in the soul of his people, as in a wood tree, or as in a wood, a tree is moved by the wind. Masoretic, when it was reported to the house of David, saying, The Arameans have taken a stand by Ephraim. His heart and the hearts of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake from the wind. Reading on in the Masoretic, um, Then the Lord said to Isaiah, <clears throat> Go out 
Now to meet Ahaz, you and your son, Sheraz, Shera Yashub, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the road to the fuller's field. Okay, uh, in the Septuagint, again, instead of Isaiah, it says the Lord said to Esaias, in the S at the end, go forth to meet Ahaz, you and your son, Yashub. Okay, so that's different than Sheer Mash, uh, Yashub in the NASB, who is left to the pool of the of the upper way of the Fuller's Field. Reading on in the mes- in the Septuagint, and you shall say to him, "Take care to be quiet and fear not; neither let your soul be disheartened because of." these two smoking firebrands. For when my fierce anger is over, I will heal again. In verse 4 of the Masoretic, And say to him, Take care and be calm. And uh, have no fear. And do not be faint-hearted because of these two stumps of smoldering logs. Okay? Instead of smoking firebrands. And on account of the fierce anger of Racine and Aram and the son of Ramaliah. Verse 5, this is Masoretic. Uh, because Aram with Ephraim and the son of Ramaliah has planned evil against you, saying, in the Septuagint, and as for the son of Aram and the son of Ramalias, again, we got the S on the end. Uh, for as much as they have devised an evil, an evil counsel, saying, "We will go up against Judea, and having conferred with them, we will turn them away to our side, and we will make the son of Tabiel king, king of it." Compare that with. Let us go up against Judah to terrorize it. That's different, isn't it? To terrorize it. Now, in the footnotes, if I can get this thing to work, I don't know, for some reason, all of a sudden my thing froze. Okay, in the footnotes, it's demolish, to demolish it. So that's quite a bit different than something like um, uh, we will go up against Judah and, and, and having conferred with them, we will turn them away to our side, and we will make the son of Tabael king of it. Uh, we're getting okay. Come on. Um, for some reason, I'm getting it's that one side there is frozen. I'm just going to keep reading in the Septuagint then, uh, verse seven. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, This counsel shall not abide nor come to pass, but the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Razim. And yet within sixty and five years, the kingdom of Ephraim shall cease from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Solomon, and the head, excuse me, not Solomon, Somerun. And the head of Somerun the son of Romelius. But if you believe not, neither will you 
you at all understand. And again, and the Lord again spoke to Ahaz saying, ask for yourself a sign of the Lord your God in the depth or in the... And Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. He said, hear, hear ye now, O house of David, is it a little thing for you to contend with men? And, and how do you contend against the Lord? Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive in the womb and shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, again, for this, for some reason, this thing is acting up on the other side here. I cannot, maybe if I refresh it, it might work. Let me get rid of that. Um, but in the Masoretic, oh, there we are. I don't know what it's, what's, why it's acting up so much here. So, <laughs> so I'm sure you guys know very well the, the, uh, the typical, like the King James way of, of translating this. You know, Behold, a virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, and she shall call him Emmanuel. Okay, so this virgin, Alma, in the Hebrew, it is well contested that that, that word doesn't necessarily mean virgin. It means just simply a young woman. And, uh, you know, people who are very well versed in the Hebrew would... would uh, tell you that the masculine form of that same word in the Hebrew uh, means young man. It has nothing to do with being a virgin or anything like that. And so the idea is in the original Hebrew, it doesn't say virgin. Uh, however, the King James translators and many of the other English Bible translators put in virgin to make it more consistent with the New Testament. Because the New Testament quotes uh, the Septuagint version of, version of this. Now, this I think everybody should well know as well that the Septuagint um, is another hotly contest, contested document, especially Isaiah. Not so much the other books, but Isaiah is supposed to be one of the most um, poorly translated from um, poorly translated from the Hebrew into Greek, okay? And so it is it is a hotly debated topic. Uh, in the Hebrew, if the Masoretic text is reliable, I say, if the Masoretic text is reliable in the Hebrew, it doesn't say virgin. It says young woman. Um, now, the Septuagint, again, that is a translation of the Hebrew, which even translation, you lose, you lose some in the translation. You lose some of the meaning. You lose some of the context in translation. So... Um, I would not say to put, to go to the bank on exactly uh, the, the traditional rendition of that passage, simply because it is very clearly proven in, even in the Masoretic text, 
and doesn't mean virgin. Virgin. There's another Hebrew name that actually, or there's another Hebrew word that actually means virgin. That was not used. Alma was used, which just simply means a young woman. Now it could be a virgin, but it, it doesn't. It doesn't specify virgin. Um, so that particular translation is questionable. Questionable. Now his name shall be called Emmanuel. Um, so Emmanuel means God with us, okay? Now, it should be very well understood as well that the Hebrew word El, that is translated God, normally it's translated, normally whenever you see the word God in the so-called Old Testament, it's translated from the Hebrew word Elohim, okay? Elohim. Um, but when you see the word God, that's translated from El, not Elohim, Elohim is, is literally plural. It's, it's the plural of God. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's almost like, you know, in our English vernacular today, we say, you know, the powers, you know, the powers that be, you know, you believe in a higher power or higher powers. Uh, that's almost literally what that is saying in the Hebrew, Elohim. It's like powers. Whereas El is the singular form of Elohim. And that can mean God. It can. It can mean um, simply power. It can also mean judge. It can also mean ruler. It doesn't necessarily always mean God. And I pointed this out before. Uh, it's it. It uses that word L to describe Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is an L. So if you want to translate it literally, it would be saying literally in the word of God that Nebuchadnezzar is a god or is God. Of course, he's not God and. Depends on how you want to translate or understand or interpret the saying that Nebuchadnezzar is a god. Okay, so of course, this is a very hotly debated verse between Christians and Jews, but not just between Christians and Jews, but also even in, in amongst Christians themselves. I know that um, I used to go to a church that preached heavy that it meant virgin, only virgin. But then I, right after that, I remember this very clearly because I remember this was actually in 1992. I went to, um, excuse me, I went to a Christian bookstore and I saw a book from another Christian that said it doesn't mean virgin, it means young woman. And they used the Hebrew, um, what do you call it? The Hebrew definition of young woman. And they made a case on that which I think that that's a very, very strong case. Alma means young woman, not virgin. There's another word that means virgin. So now let's, let's, let's read on because it gets even more interesting. Because, okay, so the vast majority of Christians say that this particular virgin is, or young woman is Mary, and the son is Jesus, and he is God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. 
which proves his deity in many people in many Christians theology okay however let's just read on to the next verse because it, if Jesus is the all-knowing all-powerful God how can this be butter and honey he shall eat before he knows either to prefer evil or choose the good. For before the child shall know good or evil, he refuses evil to, to choose the good, and the land shall be forsaken, which thou art afraid of because of the two kings. Now, many um, Jews today argue that this is not even talking about the same time frame of Jesus at all. Rather, it's talking about a totally different time frame with totally different kings, uh, the aforementioned kings, okay, um, which is not got nothing to do with Jesus. But then again, if if this Emmanuel means literally, if it literally means God with us, we're talking about the all-knowing God. Why didn't God know good from evil? For before the child shall know good or evil. Again, verse 15, back up a step. Butter and honey shall he eat before he knows either to prefer evil or choose the good. So, question is, if this is God, then how can God not know whether to prefer evil or choose the good? Verse 16, for behold, the, or excuse me, for before the child shall know good or evil, he refuses evil to choose the good, and the land shall be forsaken, which thou art afraid of because of the two kings. Now, I didn't really plan on this, I don't have it up, but let's do it anyway. Let's go over to Safaria. It's very interesting. And the reason why, for those of you wondering why I go over to Safaria every now and then, is because Safaria is the Jewish. I mean, this is like the Jewish website. This is like the Jewish kind of Bible gateway kind of thing. Okay, so let's go on over to um, Isaiah. Now, the reason why I go over here, because again, many times, maybe not 100% of the time, but many times Jewish people know their Bible more than the Christians know uh, because the you know, Jewish people have grown up uh, being taught Hebrew, being taught the culture, uh, studying the Tanakh. Meanwhile, Christians are hardly studying the Bible at all. And if they do, it's more like Paul's letters and that's it. But with a little bit of gospels in there somewhere, but most of it's from Paul's letters. Whereas the Jewish people are they're spending a whole lot more time in these kind of passages in the prophets, in the Torah. Okay, so now. Uh, I don't know at this point in time what I'm about to read because I haven't done this. I'm just kind of, I'm going on the fly, okay? I'm going on the fly. Um, let's see what it says here first in the Jewish translation. Um, so, okay. So, it, this whole pat, this whole section began with verse 10. And it, it does in both the NASB and the and the Brenton Septuagint as well. So let's go back to the to verse 10, okay, in the uh, Safaria, which is the um, is one of their Jewish translations. Um, there's a second here. 
this is this is actually it says right here it is the translation is from the jewish publication society 1985 okay that's the that's the actual version of the bible that's the, that's the version of the bible that we're reading here so it says and the lord spoke further to ahaz ask for a sign from the lord your god anywhere down to sheol or up to the sky but ahaz replied i will not ask and i will not test the lord verse 13 listen house of david isaiah retorted is it not enough for you to treat men as helpless that you also treat my god as helpless assuredly my lord will give you a sign of his own accord look the young woman is with child well that sounds more natural doesn't it and about to give birth to a son let her name or let her name him emmanuel meaning with us is god so it's different isn't it that's different with us is god so i take this to understand i, I understand this to say that that particular word according to the jewish publication society doesn't necessarily mean that doesn't necessarily mean and of course wouldn't mean in, in the jewish mind that a human would be god but rather it is the name of a human to celebrate god's presence if you know what i mean like joshua in um and isaiah uh, Isaiah means Yah is our salvation. Very similar to Yahshua, Yahshua or Yahoshua means something very similar to that. Yahoo, uh, Isaiah would be Yahoo is our salvation, whereas Yahoshua is very similar to that. Uh, whereas this here, Emmanuel, so let me just say this Isaiah means. Yahoo is our salvation. Does that mean that Isaiah himself is Yahoo? Yahoo, for those of you who don't know, is a short form of Yahuwah or Yahweh. Okay. Um, it's the name of God. So because it says, because Isaiah's name is Yahoo is our salvation, does that mean he, Isaiah, is Yahoo? Of course not. Joshua, Yahushua. Does that mean that Joshua, who followed Moses, he was God? No, he was a human. Now, in using that same kind of um, interpretation and understanding and being consistent here, Emmanuel, does that mean that the Son is God? Or does it just mean that, is it another name similar to Isaiah or Joshua? Where it, it's the the child is named uh, after God, not being called God simply. Verse fifteen. By the time he learns to reject the bad and choose the good, people will will be feeding on curds and honey. Now people will be for uh, that's, that's different. Uh, for before the lad knows to reject the bad and choose the good, the ground whose two kings you dread shall be abandoned. The Lord 
will cause to come upon you and your people and your ancestral house such days as never have uh, come since Ephraim turned away from Judah, that selfsame king of Assyria. Assyria. Okay, so um, these two kings in the in the previous verse in in sixteen, verse sixteen. Let's see what it says here. If I can get this up, um, I might have to make it a bit full screen. Yeah, verse sixteen. You dread and you fear its two kings, Razin and Pekah. For in that year, the king of Assyria marched on Damascus since Ahaz hired him. So again, according to this particular um, understanding of it, uh, the two kings that are spoken of in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 16 is not referring to any of the kings that were alive during the time of Jesus. Okay. So with that understanding, uh, you could say that, that Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7, verses 14, 15, and 16 has not, is not um, talking about Jesus. Okay. Okay, so let's, um, let's continue here with... Uh, Verse 17 in the NASB, the Lord will bring on you and or on your people and on your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim separated from Judah, the days of the king of Assyria. On that day, the Lord will whistle for the fly that is in the remotest part of the canals of Egypt and for the bee that is in the land of Assyria. They will all come and settle on the steep ravines, on the ledges of the cliffs, on all the thorn bushes and on all the watering places. On that day, the Lord will, sh will shave with a razor hired from the regions beyond the Euphrates River, that is, with the king of Assyria, the head and hairs, the hair of the legs, and it will also remove the beard. Now on that day, a person may keep alive only a heifer and a pair of sheep. And because of the abundance of the milk produced, he will eat curds. For everyone who is left within the land will eat curds and honey. And it will come about on that day that every place where there used to be a thousand vines valued at a thousand shekels of silver will become briars and thorns. People will come there with bows and arrows because all the land will be briars and thorns. As for all the hills which used to be cultivated with the plow, you will not go there for fear of briars and thorns. For they will become a place for pasturing oxen and for sheep to trample. Now, I'm not going to read all that in the Septuagint, seeing that much of it is very similar anyway, but when we, if we get to a passage that that's a questionable passage, I will. Um, just for the sake of time here, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 1. Then the Lord said to me, Take for yourself a large tablet and write on it in ordinary letters, Maher Shalal Hashbaz. 
and I will t- I will take to myself faithful witnesses for testimony. So Meher Shalal Hashbaz in the footnotes means uh, swift is the plunder, speedy is the prey. And this here, I will take for myself faithful witnesses for for testimony. Uh, Uriah, the priest, and Zechariah, the son of Yeberekiah. So I approached the prophetess, and she conceived and gave birth to a son. Then the Lord said to me, name him Maher Shalal Hashbaz. For before the boy before the boy knows how to cry out my father or my mother, the wealth of Damascus and the spoils of Samaria will be carried away before the king of Assyria. Again, the Lord spoke to me further, saying, Inasmuch as these people have rejected the gently flowing waters of Shiloah, and rejoice in Rezin and the son of Remaliah, now, therefore, behold, the Lord is about to bring on them the strong and abundant waters of the Euphrates River, that is, the king of Assyria in all his glory. And it will rise over all its channels and over all its banks. Then it will, it will sweep on into Judah. It will overflow and pass. It will reach as far as the neck and spread of its wings, and the spread of its wings will fill the expanse of your land, Emmanuel. Here we are, Emmanuel, again. Be broken, you peoples, and be shattered. And listen, all remote places of the earth, get ready, yet be shattered. Get ready, yet be shattered. Devise a plan, but it will fail. State a proposal, but it will not stand. For God is with us. So the Lord spoke to me with mighty power and instructed me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, You are not to say it is a conspiracy regarding everything that this people call a conspiracy. And you are not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it. It is the Lord of armies whom you are are to regard as holy. And he shall be your fear and he shall be your dread then he shall become a sanctuary, but both houses of Israel. He will, he will be a stone of, stum, of stumbling and a rock of offense and a snare and a trap for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Many will stumble over them. Then they will fall and be broken. Then they will be snared and caught. Bind up the testimony. Seal the law among my disciples. And I will wait for the Lord who is hiding from the house of Jacob. I wait eagerly for him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of armies who dwells on Mount Zion. Zion. When they say to you, consult the mediums and the spiritists who whisper and mutter, should a people not consult with their God? Should should they consult the dead in behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony. To the law in the, in the teaching, it would be to the Torah. 
and testimony. If they do not speak in accordance with this word, it is because they have no dawn. They will pass through the land dejected and hungry. And it will, when they are hungry, they will become enraged and curse their king and their God as they face upward. Then they will look to the earth and behold distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be driven away into darkness. Okay, so that is our reading for Isaiah. I will get into Amos uh, in just a moment. Amos, Amos chapter 1, Judgment on Neighbor Nations. The words of Amos, who was among the sheep herders from Tekoa, which he saw in visions concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. Now, just before I get into this, let me just let me just say this. I I just really I just love the way we're doing this. I mean, we're reading this right at least loosely chronologically. Remember that we read we read Isaiah there um, just yesterday. Uh, talking about uh, in the days of Uzziah, just at in the year that King Uzziah, King Uzziah, Uzziah died, uh, and so Amos was was living in, in in around that time as well. So it's I think it's really important and it's it's really good to keep things chronological. That way, it keeps things more in order in your mind. Otherwise, it's like, well, where did Amos come in? Where did Micah come in? you know, and all this kind of thing. So it can be confusing reading the Bible from front to back because it's not it's not in chronological order. Verse 2, and he said, <coughs> excuse me, the Lord roars from Zion and from Jerusalem he utters his voice. Now, let me just stop here for a second because look, at, this is not the still small voice. This is not the still small voice. You know, some people, again, being hyper literal and be in practicing scriptural isolation, they isolate that scripture from the days of Elijah when he stood in the cave and then, you know, the fire went by and the Lord wasn't in the fire. The wind, you know, the storm goes by the Lord. And after everything is done, he hears a still small voice and that's the Lord, right? But this is, this is, this is almost like the opposite. God spoke here, not in a still small voice, with a roar, okay? And I just wanted to point that out because a lot of people put God in a box and they say, well, God always speaks in a still small voice. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. The Lord roars from Zion and from Jerusalem he utters his voice. And the shepherds pasture grounds mourn. And the summit of Carmel dries up. This is what the Lord says, or as it would say in the King James, thus saith the Lord. For three offenses of Damascus, and for four, I will not revoke its punishment. Because they threshed Gilead with iron sledges, so I will send fire upon the house of Hazael, and it will consume the citadels of Ben-Hadad. I will also break the gate bar of Damascus, and eliminate every inhabitant from the valley of Avain. 
as well as him who holds the scepter from Beit Aden. So the people of Aram will be exiled to Kir, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. For three offenses of Gaza and for four, I will not revoke its punishment because they lead into exile the entire population to turn them over to Edom. So I will send fire on the wall of Gaza, or Gaza and it will consume her citadels. I will also eliminate every inhabitant from Ashdod, as well as him who holds the scepter from Ashkelon. And I will direct my power against Akron, and the remnant of the Philistines will perish, says the Lord God. Verse 9, this is Amos chapter 1, verse 9. This is what the Lord says, for three offenses of Tyre and for four I will not revoke its punishment because they have turned an entire population over to Edom and did not remember the covenant of her brotherhood. So I will send fire on the wall of Tyre and it will consume her citadels. This is what the Lord says, for three offenses of Edom and for four, I will not revoke its punishment because he pursued his brother with the sword and stifled his, his companion, or excuse me, compassion, and his anger, his anger also tore continually, and he maintained his fury forever. So I will send fire upon Taman, and it will consume the citadels of Basra. This is what the Lord says. For three offenses of the sons of Ammon and for four, I will not revoke its punishment, because they ripped open the pregnant women of Gilead in order to enlarge their borders. So I will kindle a fire on the wall of Rabbah, and it will consume her citadels amid war cries of, on, the battle, on the day of battle. And, um, and amid a storm on the day of, of tempest, their king will go into exile, he and his princes together, says the Lord. Chapter 2. Amos chapter 2. Judgment on Moab. This is what the Lord says. For three offenses of Moab and for four, I will not revoke its punishment. Because he burned the bones of the king of Edom to lime, so I will send fire upon Moab, and it will consume the citadels of Kerioth. And Moab will die amid the panic of battle, amid war cries and the sound of a trumpet. I will also eliminate the judge from her midst and slay all her leaders with him, says the Lord. Verse 4, this is what the Lord says, For three offenses of Judah and for four I will not revoke its punishment, because they rejected the law of the Lord and have, kept, and have not kept his statutes. Their lies also have led them astray, those which their fathers followed. So I will send fire upon Judah, and it will consume the citadels of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. For three offenses of Israel, and for four, I will not revoke its punishment, because they sell the righteous for money, and indeed for a pair of sandals. These who trample the head of the helpless to the dust of the earth also divert the way of the humble. And a man and his father resort to the same girl, so as to profane my holy name. 
and on garments seized as pledges they sketch out beside every altar, and in the house of their God they drink wine of those who have been fined. Yet it was I who destroyed the Amorite before them. Though his height was like the height of cedars, he was as strong as the oaks. I also destroyed his fruit above and his roots below. And it was I who brought you up from the land of Egypt and led you in the wilderness for 40 years so that you might take possession of the land of the Amorite. Then I raised up some of your sons to be prophets and some of your young men to be Nazarites. Is this not so, you sons of Israel, declares the Lord? But you make the Nazarites drink wine and command the prophets, saying, You shall not prophesy. Behold, I am making a rut in the ground beneath you. Just as a wagon makes a rut when filled with sheaves, refuse will be lost from the swift, and the strong will not, restri- uh, will not strengthen his power, nor the warrior save his life. The one who grasps the bow will not stand his ground. The swift of foot will not escape, nor will the one who rides the horse save his life. Even the bravest among the warriors will flee naked on that day, declares the Lord. Amos chapter 3. Hear this word which the Lord has spoken against you, sons of Israel, against the entire family which he brought up from the land of Egypt. You alone, excuse me, you only, have I known among all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your wrongdoing. Do do two people walk together unless they have agreed to meet? Does a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? Does a young lion growl from his den unless he has captured something? Does a bird fall into a trap? On the ground when there is no no device in it? Does a trap spring up from the earth when it's uh, when it captures nothing at all? If a trumpet is blown in the, in a city, will the people not tremble? If a disaster occurs in the city, has the Lord not brought it about? Certainly the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret plan to his servants, the prophets. I love this one. Certainly the Lord does, the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret plan to his servants, the prophets. So, um, you know, this, that verse, Amos chapter three, verse seven, makes it so personal, doesn't it? Because it's like, um, because it's like um, it's like we it's like the prophets not I shouldn't say we but the prophets are so close to the Lord so so close to God that God doesn't do anything unless he tells his prophets unless he lets his prophets know certainly the the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret plan to his servants, the prophets. Let's see what it says in the footnotes. Excuse me. 
four. No, it's just it's just um yeah. Wherever it says the capital Lord is talking about Yud Hey Wow Hey or Yahweh Yahuwah. So that's that's very it's very amazing. God is he loves his people, especially his prophets, so much. He's so friendly with them. He's he's such a friend to his people, especially the prophets, that he doesn't do anything without revealing his secret plan to them. In other words, he has no secrets. Verse 8, a lion has roared, who will not fear? Lord God has spoken. Who cannot or who can do anything but prophesy? Now this makes it sound like prophecy is um, is something that's quite common, doesn't it? And again, there's no uh, still small voice here. It is a roar, okay, like we read earlier. Verse 9. Proclaim on the citadels in Ashdod and on the citadels in the land of Egypt and say, assemble yourselves on the mountains of Samaria and see the great panic within her and the oppressions in her midst. But they do not know how to do what is right, declares the Lord. These who store up violence and devastation in their citadels. Therefore, this is what the Lord God says. An enemy, one surrounding the land, will take down your fortifications from you, and your citadels will be looted. This is what the Lord says. Just as the shepherd snatches from the lion's mouth a couple of legs or a piece of an ear, so will the sons of Israel living in Samaria be snatched away, with the corner of a bed and with the cover of a couch. Hear and testify against the house of Jacob, declares the Lord God, the God of armies. For on the day that I punish Israel's offenses, I will also punish the altars of Bethel. The horns of the altar will be cut off and I and will fall to the ground. I will also strike the winter house together with the summer house. The houses of ivory will also perish and the great houses will come to an end, declares the Lord. Amos chapter 4. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan. Cows or haughty, prominent women. Uh, quite a translation we got here. Hear this word. This is the NASB. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan. Just out of curiosity, let's see what it says in the uh, Septuagint. <laughs> Hear ye this word, you heifers of the land of Bashan. Okay, so very, very similar. Um, who are on the mountain of Samaria, who exploit the poor, who oppress the needy, who oppress the needy, and say to their husbands, bring now that we may drink. The Lord God is sworn by his holiness, quote, For behold, the days are coming upon you when they will take you away with meat hooks 
and the last of you with fish hooks. You will go out through holes in the walls, one in front of the other, and you will be hurled to Harmon, unquote, declares the Lord. Enter Bethel and do, and do wrong. In Gilgal, multiply wrongdoing. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days. Offer a thanksgiving offering also from that which is leavened. And proclaim voluntary offerings, make them known. For so you love to do, you sons of Israel, declares the Lord God. So notice how, what it's, it's, it's almost like um, sarcasm. God is saying, go, sin away. Bring your sacrifices too, like you do. You love to do this, right? You love to go out and you love to sin and also bring your sacrifices. And again, this could apply to Christians today. They love to go out and sin and yet believe in Jesus at the same time. Believe in their Jesus sacrifice. I'll read this one more time because this is powerful. Enter Bethel and do wrong. Enter Bethel and do wrong. The house of God. In other words, go to church. You go to church and you sin. In Gilgal, multiply, multiply wrongdoing. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days. Offer a Thanksgiving offering also from that which is leavened. So in the New Testament, uh, trans, uh, this translates into New Testament saying basically, um, uh, come with your faith in, 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 in the ultimate sacrifice. Come with your faith in the ultimate sacrifice. And proclaim voluntary offerings, make them known. For so you love to do, you sons of Israel, declares the Lord God. But I gave you also cleanness of teeth in all your cities and lack of bread in all your places. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. Furthermore, I withheld the rain from you while there was still three months until harvest. Then I could send rain on one city, but on another city I would not send rain. One part would be rained on, while the part not rained on would dry up. So the people of two or three cities would stagger to another city to drink water, but would not be satisfied. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I struck you with scorching wind and mildew. The caterpillar was devouring. Your many gardens and vineyards, fig trees and olive trees. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. That's what he wants, right? He always wants the repentance. Verse 10. I sent a plague among you as in Egypt. I killed your young men with the sword along with your captured horses. And I made, your I made the stench of your camp rise up in your nostrils. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I overthrew you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. Reminds me of Pompeii as well. Same lifestyle, same destruction. Fire and brimstone. 79 A.D. I overthrew you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. 
And you were like a log snatched from a fire, yet you have not returned to me. See, he keeps on coming back to this, to repentance. Therefore, so I will do to you, Israel, because I do this to you, prepare to meet your God, Israel. Prepare to meet your God. Notice it doesn't say, well, God meets you just as you are, where you are. No, you have to prepare. It's God wants you to prepare. And that's, if you don't prepare, that's just plain old disrespect, dishonoring God. Verse 13. For behold, he who forms mountains and creates the wind and declares to a person what are his thoughts. He who makes dawn into darkness and treads on the high places of the earth, the Lord God of armies. The Lord God of armies, or Yahuwah Sevaot, is his name. Amos chapter 5, or otherwise known as Amos chapter 5, verse 1. Hear this word which I am taking up for you as a song of mourning. House of Israel, she has fallen. She, ha she, uh, she will not rise again, the virgin Israel. She lies unnoticed on her land. There is no one to raise her up, for this is what the Lord God says. The city which goes forth a thousand strong will have a hundred left. And the one who goes... Fourth, a hundred strong will have ten left to the house of Israel. For this is what the Lord says to the house of Israel. Seek me so that you may live. Again, this is talking about spiritual life. This is talking about everlasting life. But do not resort to Bethel. And do not come to Gilgal, nor cross over to Beersheba. For Gilgal will certainly go into captivity, and Bethel will come to nothing. Seek the Lord so that you may live. Notice he repeats himself over and over here like he did in the last chapter. He wanted them to return to him. Or he will break through like fire, house of Joseph, and it will consume with no one to extinguish it for Bethel. For those who who turn justice into wormwood and throw righteousness to the earth. He who made the Pleiades and Orion and changes deep darkness into morning, who also darkens day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them on the surface of the earth. The Lord is his name. See, this is the cycle of, you know, evaporation and, Cloud formation and rain. It is he who makes destruction flash upon the strong, so that destruction comes upon the fortress. They hate him, they hate him who rebukes in the gate, and they despise him who speaks with integrity. Therefore, because you impose heavy rent on the poor and take a tribute of grain from them, Though you have built houses of cut stone, yet you will not live in them. You have planted beautiful vineyards, yet you will not drink their wine. 
for I know your offenses are many and your sins are great. You who are hostile to the righteous and accept bribes and turn away the poor from justice at the gate. Therefore, at such a time, the prudent person keeps quiet because it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil so that you may live. And so may the Lord God of armies be with you, just as you have said. Hate evil, love good, and establish justice in the gate. In the gate, in the footnotes, it says the place where the court was held. Perhaps the Lord God of armies will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Therefore, this is what the Lord God of armies says. The Lord says, there is mourning in all the public squares and in all the streets. They say, oh no, oh no. They also call the farmer to mourning and professional mourners to mourning rites. In all their vineyards, and in all their vineyards, there is mourning because I will pass through the midst of you, says the Lord. Woe to you who are longing for the day of the Lord. For what purpose will the day of the Lord be to you? It will be darkness and not light. Okay, so this day of the Lord, by the way, it is this is the day of judgment. It's not like this is the day, the day of the Lord as in, uh, uh, you know, starting from, uh, was it the second, third century, second century anyway, uh, they started calling Sunday the day of the Lord. Okay, this is not talking about Sunday. Like how it says in Revelation, when John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Okay, The Lord's day or the day of the Lord. The Lord's day is not Sunday. It's the day of judgment. Woe to you who are longing for the day of the Lord. For what purpose will the day of the Lord be to you? It will be darkness, not light. As when a man flees from a lion and a bear confronts him. Or when he goes home, leans his hand against the wall, and a snake bites him. Will the day of the Lord not be darkness instead of light, even gloom, with no brightness in it? I hate. I reject your festivals. Now keep in mind, these are the festivals, these are the feasts of the Lord, as per Torah. Why would God say, I hate, I reject your festivals? Why would he reject that? We'll find out. Nor do I delight in your festive assemblies. So what does this mean in today's Christian world? Uh, this is equivalent to translation. To, this is modern day corrupt. This is modern day uh, translation in the context of corrupt Christianity. God says, I hate your Christian holidays. I, nor do I delight in your church gatherings. Even though you offer up to me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. And I will not even look at the peace offerings of your fatted oxen. So again, translate that into modern corrupt Christian narrative. It, what God is saying is, even though you have faith in the ultimate sacrifice, even though you have you, you so-called believe in Jesus. I will not look at it. 
I will not accept that faith. I will not pay attention to that. Take away from me the noise of your songs, your praise and worship choruses. I will not even listen to the sound of your harps, your guitars, your bass, your violins, your strings. But, but let justice roll out like waters. Let justice. This is talking about righteousness, okay? You look it up in the original Hebrew, it's got, it, it, it denotes righteousness. Let justice, righteousness roll out like waters. This is what God wants. This is the bottom line. Let justice roll out like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Did you present me with sacrifices and grain offerings in the wilderness for 40 years, house of Israel? The answer is yes, they did. You also carried along Sikuth, your king, and Kiyun, your images, the star, god, the star of your gods, which you made for yourselves. In other words, you were idolatrous. Okay? You worshipped other gods. You loved something else more than me. Verse 27, therefore, I will make you go into exile beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is the God of armies. Okay, so as you all well know, this is a wonderful passage of scripture that proves that even the blood sacrifices did not, capital N, capital O, capital T, not cover their sins. Why? Because they still had wickedness in their, in their actions, in their life. Righteousness was not in their practice. Remember 1 John 3, 7. Remember 1 John 3, 7. Righteousness means to do what is right. Not just faith. Okay. So obviously they didn't find atonement. They didn't find forgiveness at all for their sins. God punished them severely. And he made it very clear that he rejects their faith in the blood sacrifice. He rejects it. He rejects it. I will not accept them. I will not even look at the peace offerings. Amos chapter 6. Woe to those who are carefree in Zion and to those who feel secure on the mountain of Samaria. The dignitaries of the, of the foremost nations, of nations, to whom the house of Israel comes to go, to, uh, go over to Kalne and look and go from there to Hamath, the great, then go down to Gath of the Philistines. Are they better than these kingdoms? Or is their territory greater than yours? Are you postponing the day of disaster? And would you bring near the seat of violence? Those who lie on beds of ivory and lounge around on their couches and eat lambs from the flock and calves from the midst of the fattened cattle who improvise to the sound of the harp and like David 
have composed songs for themselves, who drink wine from sacred bowls while they anoint themselves with the finest of oils, yet they have not grieved over the collapse of Joseph. Therefore, they will not go into exile at the head of, their, of the exiles, and the revelry of those who lounge around will come to an end. The Lord God has sworn by himself. The Lord God of armies has declared, I loathe the arrogance of Jacob. Notice, notice throughout the Tanakh, okay? Notice throughout the scriptures, Jacob and Israel are the same person, right? Jacob changed his name, or God changed his name to Israel, but yet he still called him Jacob sometimes. Notice when he called him Jacob. In this era, in this instance, he called Jacob, he called Israel Jacob when Israel or Jacob was uh, was arrogant. Look at lo, I loathe the arrogance of Jacob, and detest his citadels. Therefore, I give up the city and all it in all it contains. And it will be if ten men are left in one house, they will die. Then one's uncle or his un, his undertaker will lift him up to carry out his bones from the house. And he will say to the one who is in the innermost part of the house, is anyone else with you? And that one will say, no one. Then he will answer, keep quiet, for the name of the Lord is not to be mentioned. For behold, the Lord is going to command that the great house will be smashed to pieces and the small house to rubble. Do horses run on rocks? Or does one plow them with oxen? Yet you have turned justice in, into poison and the fruit of righteousness into wormwood. You who rejoice in Lodibar and say, have we not by our own strength taken Karnaim for ourselves? For behold, I am going to raise up a nation against you. House of Israel declares the Lord God of armies. And they will torment you from the entrance of Hamath to the brook of the Arabah. Amos chapter 7. Warning through visions. This is what the Lord God showed me. And behold, he was forming a swarm of locusts when it when the spring began or the, oh, excuse me when the spring crop began to sprout and behold the spring crop was after the king's mowing and it came about when it had finished eating the vegetation of the land that i said lord god please pardon how can jacob stand for he is small the lord resented of this or excuse me, the Lord relented of this. It shall not be, said the Lord. So the Lord God showed me, and behold, the Lord God was calling to contend with them by fire, and it consumed the great deep and began to consume the farmland. Then I said, Lord God, please stop. How can Jacob stand, for he is small? The Lord relented of this. This too shall not be, said the Lord God. 
So he showed me, and behold, the Lord was standing by a vertical wall with the plumb lamp, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, What do you see, Amos? And I said, A plumb line. Then I uh, then then the Lord said, Behold, I am about to plumb to put a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will not spare them any longer. The high places of Isaac will be deserted, and the sanctuaries of Israel will be in ruins. Then I will rise up against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent word to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is unable to endure all his words. For this is what Amos says, Jeroboam will die by the sword, and Israel will certainly go from its land into exile. Then Amaziah said to Amos, Go, you seer, flee to the land of Judah, and eat bread there, and do, and do your prophesying there. But do not prophesy at Bethel any longer, for it is a sanctuary of the king and a royal residence. Then Amos replied to Amaziah, I am not a prophet, nor am I the son of a prophet, for I am a herdsman and a grower of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go prophesy to my people Israel. So now hear the word of the Lord. You are saying, quote, you shall not prophesy against Israel, nor shall you prophesy against the house of Isaac, unquote. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. Your wife will become a prostitute in the city. Your sons and your daughters will fall by the sword. Your land will be parceled up by, the measuring, by a measuring line, and you yourself will die upon unclean soil. Furthermore, Israel will certainly go from its land into exile. Wow, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? A harsh, a hard judgment for, for being rude to the prophet. Or just telling the prophet not to prophesy. Amos chapter 8. Basket of fruit and Israel's captivity. This is what the Lord God showed me. And behold, there was a basket of summer fruit. And he said, what do you see, Amos? And I said, a basket of summer fruit. And, he, and the Lord said to me, the end has come for my people Israel. I will not spare them any longer. The songs of the palace will, tur will turn to wailing on that day, declares the Lord God. The corpses will be many in every place. They will, be th they will throw them out. Hush. Hear this, you you who trample the needy, to put an end to the humble of the land, saying, when will, the new, when will the new moon be over, so that we may sell grain, and the Sabbath, so that we may open the wheat market, to make the ephah smaller and the shekel bigger? Okay, this is like ripping people off, basically, is what it's talking about. And to cheat with dishonest scales, so as to buy the helpless for money and the needy for a pair of sandals. And, and, that we, 
and that we may sell the refuse of the wheat. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, quote, Indeed, I will never forget any of their deeds. Because of this, will the land not quake, and everyone who lives in it mourn? Indeed, all of it will rise up like the Nile, and it will be tossed about and, sub and subside like the Nile of Egypt. And it will come about on that day, declares the Lord, that I will make the sun go down at noon and, and make the earth dark in broad daylight. Then I will turn the festivals into mourning and all your songs into songs of mourning. I will put sackcloth around everyone's waist and baldness on every head. I will make it like a time of mourning for an only son, and the day of it will be like a bitter day. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord God. When I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or a thirst for water, but rather for hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and from north even to the east. And, and uh, they will roam about to seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. On that day, the beautiful virgins and the young men will faint from thirst. For as those who swear by the guilt of Samaria and say, as your God lives, Dan, and as the way of Beersheba lives, they will fall and not rise again. Amos chapter 9. God's judgment is unavoidable. I saw the Lord standing beside the altar, and he said, Strike the pillar capitals so that the thresholds will shake. Break them on the heads of, of them all. Then I will put to death the rest of them with the sword. They will not have a fugitive who will flee, nor a survivor who will escape. Though they dig into Sheol, from, from there my hand will take them. And though they ascend to heaven, from there I will bring them down. And though they hide on the summit of Carmel, I will track them down and take them from there. And though they hide themselves from sight of the, uh, on the bottom of the sea, I will command serpent from there and it will bite them. And though they go into captivity before their enemies, from there I will command the sword, and it will kill them. I will set my eyes against them for harm and not for good. The Lord God of armies, the one who touches the land so that it quakes, and all those who live in it mourn, and all of it rises up like the Nile and subsides like the Nile of Egypt. The one who builds his upper chambers in the heavens and has founded his vaulted dome over the earth. He who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the face of the earth, the Lord is his name. Are you not as the sons of Ethiopia to me? You sons of Israel, declares the Lord. Have I not brought up Israel from the land of Egypt? And the Philistines from Kaftor, and the Aramaeans from Kir. Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are on the sinful nation, and I will eliminate it from the face of the earth. 
Nevertheless, I will not totally eliminate the house of Jacob, declares the Lord. For behold, I am commanding, and I will shake the house of Israel among all nations, as grain is shaken in a sieve. But not a pebble will fall to the ground. All the sinners of my people will die by the sword, those who say the the catastrophe will not overtake or confront us. On that day, I will raise up the fallen shelter of David and wall up gaps. I will also raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, so that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations who are called by my name, declares the Lord who does this. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman will overtake the reaper. And the, and the one who treads grapes will overtake him who sows the seed. When the mountains will drip grape juice and all the hills will come apart, I will also restore the fortunes of my people Israel, and they will rebuild the desolated cities and live in them. They will also plant vineyards and drink their wine and make gardens and eat their fruit. I will also plant them on their land, and and they will not be uprooted again from their land, which I have given them, says the Lord your God. Amen, 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 amen. So that concludes the reading of Amos, the book of, otherwise known as the book of Amos. We read the whole thing. I'm going to go through some of the chat here, see what's going on. God is King over there on TikTok. Thank you for your support. Clapping hands I see here. Okay, so one John asked a question. Is Isaiah about Yeshua or not? And if not, who is it about? So um, I believe you're talking about Isaiah chapter 7. Now, um, you didn't specify that. Um, so reading it at face value, it's not talking about Yeshua. It's talking about, uh, a son that would be born in the days of those Kings, Razin and Pekah. Okay. Um, so there are different, um, Theories as to who is who that's talking about. I've heard everything from Hezekiah. Uh, let me just go on through here and let's just have a peek and see what uh, Safaria says. Yeah, so this is Safaria. Um, this is I got it open to Isaiah seven fourteen, and it says here. This is right in the commentary of Rashi. It says some interpret this as over here on the right. Some interpret this as being said about Hezekiah, but it is impossible. Okay, so there is some people that say it's Hezekiah, but others say it's impossible uh, because when you count his years, uh, you find that Hezekiah was born nine years before his father's reign, and some interpret that uh, that this is the sign that she was a young woman and incapable of giving birth. I would argue to that. I would say that, you know, as we know very well that a lot of these dates and numbers are not accurate, it could still be. Um, 
Usually Ramban has a really good mind. I don't see any Ramban in there. Uh, Ibn Ezra. So this is Ibn Ezra talking about Jesus. Uh, Therefore the Lord himself um, will give a sign. It's talking about. Um, Though you do not ask a sign, he will give it to you. Uh, It is to me a matter of surprise that there are those who say that the prophet here refers to Jesus. Since the sign was given to Ahaz, and Jesus was born many years afterwards. Besides, the prophet says, For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land shall be forsaken. But the countries of Ephraim and Syria were wasted in the sixth year of Hezekiah. And it is distinctly said of those, uh, of those two kings. Many make the mistake of identifying Emmanuel with Hezekiah. Again, this guy thinks it's a mistake. Uh, they cannot they cannot be the same, granting even this prophecy to have been uttered at the beginning of the reign of Ahaz. He reigned only 16 years, and Hezekiah was at the death of Ahaz, 25 years old. According to others, Emmanuel is another son of Ahaz, and others, again, take the names... Emmanuel, Maher Shalal, and Sher Yashbab, excuse me, Yashub, as uh, symbolical of the kingdom. But if so, what meaning would be in the child's knowing good and evil and in Maher Shalal uh, calling father and mother? I think that Emmanuel is the son of Isaiah as well as Maher Shalal. Uh, the latter is proved by and and I want uh, and I, excuse me and I went unto the prophetess etc in chapter eight verse three. Sheer Yashub is similarly related to the prophet in verse three. Each of the three sons received a name that contained some hint of at future events. Emmanuel implied that God would help them and be with them during the troubles caused by the two kings, Maher Shalal at the time for the exile of Samaria had arrived, and Sher Yashub that the remnant of Israel would repent. This explanation is well borne out by the words, Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me, and for signs and for wonders. The children which... The Lord has graciously given to, to thy servant. Genesis 33, 50, or verse 5. Those that in the former passage regard children as equivalent to pupils must produce us some analogy from Scripture. Isaiah himself was a sign and an example concerning Egypt. The Gaon says that the sign consisted in the child being a male child, but in my opinion... The sign was that the child was to eat butter and honey. It is not usual that children eat these things immediately after their birth. Now, I will say, uh, in addition to this, I believe it's the, um, where is it now? The Didache or the Shepherd, or no, the Epistle of Barnabas. It does talk about that children, it, it was actually common for children to eat honey at least uh, immediately after their birth. So we have many different 
uh, renditions, many different interpretations of that. Uh, we, I'm sure we're all very familiar with the Christian interpretation of it. Um, so yeah, Jewish Publication Society, just put that in there. Yeah, so um, it looks like, you know, even in the Jewish world, it's very unclear. Now, I understand that even a lot of Christians could argue that even though it's not directly talking about Jesus or Yeshua, it could be, Yeshua could, it, it could be a, a prophetic symbol of Yeshua, just like how, for example, Joseph was, you know, uh, back in the days of, uh, in in Genesis, Joseph was was very much like a like like how Yeshua is, um, and just like Moses too. Like Moses said, you know, the Lord will raise up a prophet like me, right? So it could be that that son who was born to that young woman uh, was not. It's not directly talking about Jesus, but someone could argue, and I would give it to them if they did that Yeshua. It could it could over it could be an overlay of of Yeshua as well, just like Moses and Joseph was, and I'm sure we can pull out David and lots of other uh, people uh, throughout the scriptures. So um, can't really give a very um, explicit uh, answer to that question, uh, even as we just read the Jewish people. Don't they're still they're they're debating on it themselves. I have read many times. Actually, I have heard many times that it is Hezekiah. And as we read there, some of these people don't think that it is. So, very good question, one John. Very good question. Thank you for asking. One John asked a question. I've been he, I've been hearing about a second Passover. What's that about? And do you celebrate it? I don't celebrate it. And if it is what I'm thinking that it is, it's actually in the Torah. Uh, if you don't, if for some reason you cannot celebrate it the first time around, um, there is another, uh, another, a second Passover, another chance to celebrate it. So, yeah, very interesting. Thank you, one John. Kingdom concepts, not a literal virgin birth prophecy in Isaiah. Yeah, I mean, I I have uh, I have looked into that um, quite extensively, and you know, uh, there is a very very strong case to be made that 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 word in the Hebrew Alma does not necessarily mean virgin. It's not explicit that it is a virgin. Tammy says no virgin birth through Mary, and I understand, you know. So, um, and this is the thing, right? So the idea is the oldest, the oldest writings of um, of the New Testament does not mention a virgin birth at all. The the Gospel of Mark does not even mention the virgin birth at all. So you'd, you'd have to ask the question, why not? And I, I mean that's a big question right there. Why not? Uh, if the virgin birth is that important, why wouldn't Mark mention it? Why wouldn't Mark even mention it? Didn't even, didn't even skim over. Didn't even, not even a brief mention. Nothing about it at all. Nothing. And keep in mind that it's believed to be uh, the first 
gospel that was written, and it was it was written years before Matthew and Luke were written, and of course the Gospel of John was written way after that. Uh, so there would be people that only got a hold of the uh, the Gospel of Mark, and that's all they had for their gospel was the Gospel of Mark. And like I said before, uh, there'd be people that between the, between the writing of the Gospel of Mark and the next gospel, be it Luke or Matthew, because they were both written about the same time, all these years that passed by, people would have passed away. People would have died in those years. People would have only had the gospel of Mark. There would be there would be some that would only have the gospel of Mark, and wouldn't. And if if all you knew was what the gospel of Mark said, you wouldn't know about the virgin birth. Take into consideration also the fact that Paul's letters, at least. A good part of Paul's letters, if not all of them, at least the ones that are proven to be legit, the seven, right? Um, they were written before the Gospel of Mark. They were written before the Gospel of Mark. At least some of them were. Paul didn't mention the virgin birth either. Never, as far as I know, in all of Paul's long-winded expository expounding upon the gospel of Jesus Christ and all that means and how to be saved and all that kind of stuff. Did he ever mention the virgin birth ever? I mean, you know, so you got questions and I, I believe they're good questions, legit questions. And in, if he didn't, which I don't recall that he did, then you got to ask. You got to ask the question: Why not? Someone asked on TikTok: Isn't all of Isaiah our heavenly Father's words to Isaiah? Not every word. I mean, you you see, if you read the book of, let's say for like, I. One thing, one thing we should do, do this, do this, okay? Do it, do it, do it as a, as a, as an, as an experiment if you want to do it. Take a Bible and highlight every word that's within quotes where it says, thus saith the Lord. The Lord God of Israel said, quote and unquote, okay? That is what God, that's what the words of the Father was right there, okay? There's a lot in Isaiah that's just kind of padding around it or narrative around it. But the word of God is what God spoke. So if you read it, you'll notice that, yeah, there is a lot of word of God in the, in the book of Isaiah, but certainly not all of it. Certainly not all of it, because not all of it is, thus saith the Lord. You know, thus saith the Lord, quote, duh, 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 unquote, between those quotes, that's the word of God. The rest of it is padding and narrative and fill in, whatever you want to call it, uh, by Isaiah. Very interesting. Love the truth on TikTok says most first century Christians believe Joseph was Yeshua's biological father.
Very interesting. You know, I like it when people ask smart questions. and I like it when people think, you know, because, uh, you know, God is God works through um, through intelligence. He's an intelligent God. He works through truth. He's the God of truth. And so I like it. I like these kind of questions. Um, and so if. You see, so the the uh, the genealogy of Matthew compared to the genealogy of Luke is very, very different. I believe, I didn't used to believe, but now I do, since I, I understand more now. I believe that we do have a major contradiction there. And I get it. I know that I know the 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 explanation i know the i know the workaround i know the you know the uh the, the excuses they give well matthew is the genealogy of joseph and luke is the genealogy of mary only one pro sounds good i mean that covers it if it wasn't the fact that it says in both matthew and luke that it is joseph's genealogy And then you have some of the um, uh, the extra biblical writings from the early centuries, uh, such as the um, proto proto uh, what do you call it? Um, like the infancy gospels, and then there's other gospels as well that speak about Mary and her genealogy. Okay, like her uh, proto proto evangelicon or something like that. Um, I know I'm massacring that word but um there are extra biblical books that speak specifically about mary and her uh, parents and so it, it says that her father's name was jehoiakim or jehoiakim and her mother's name was anna now you don't see that in in any of in you know in matthew or in luke so, it's it's a problem. Could it be? Now, here's a question. Here's a question. Could it be that the virgin birth was fabricated or made was was made up to? Um, how am I going to how am I going to say this? To I want to say fulfill, but a lot of people don't know what, what I mean when I say fulfill. Could it be that the virgin birth was made up to support the idea that Jesus was perfect and he took our place on the cross? Which again, I don't believe that he took our place. I don't think that really teaches us that i don't even i don't i don't even think even paul teaches that all things considered um because if you look at second samuel chapter 7 i believe it is where it talks about the prophecy of the son of david the messiah it talks about the, the messiah as being someone who sins 
Same in the Psalms. And again, in Hebrews, where it talks about, even very explicitly says that Jesus became perfect or was made perfect through sufferings, which obviously means he wasn't perfect before. It would make no sense to say that he was made perfect through sufferings, through his sufferings, if he was perfect all along. It just doesn't make any sense to say that. So, um, so I think that the idea that Jesus was like our sinless, spotless lamb as brought forward in the gospel of John and mixed that mixed up with the, with the letters of Paul, I think the, the idea of a virgin birth just kind of bolsters that whole thing bolsters that whole thing. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, I'm not making a statement of truth here. I'm just asking questions. It's very good to deliberate, to um, not debate, uh, but it's, it's very good to, to talk about all these kind of things, to ask a lot of questions. Even the disciples did in the book of Acts, you know, time and time again, they asked questions. They even asked questions that today, if people, you know, if someone asked questions, they would be deemed as a, uh, the people would call them all kinds of names. They had disputes between themselves. Maybe not, not divisions per se, uh, but disputes. They disputed with one another over many things. Alex asked a question, how can we even believe the scholars and historians who say the Gospels were written decades after the fact? It's specific with dialogue and every little detail. So because... I mean, if you listen to what these people say, I mean, if you haven't, if all you heard is just other people talking about, well, the scholars say this and the scholars say that and the scholars believe it. But if you actually go and listen to their lectures and you, 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 you consider the evidence that they bring forward, and we have more than just scholars. We have the paleographers, okay? These people, they're studying the writing style and all that kind of they're they're experts in in what particular year this was written in based upon all kinds of of uh of markers if you will the way something was written the what the all kinds of things okay what was actually said i mean these people have a lot of detail talk about detail lot of detail, uh, every little detail, yeah, every little detail um, about paleography, the study of ancient documents and the dating thereof, okay? So I wouldn't, I would not recommend, I, I don't recommend anybody just to believe anybody, okay? So I wouldn't say just believe the scholars, but rather Dig in, use your noggin, get the education, know why they believe what they're know why they believe what they believe, know why they're saying what they're what they're saying, know why the paleographers have come up with what they come up with. There are many reasons. People have written books on it, many books on this kind of stuff, okay? Um, 
But it's a really good question, Alex. And so that would be that would be my answer. How do we know? How can we believe? By studying ourselves, by looking at the evidence, by reading those books that I just mentioned. They're out there. They just don't make it up. Right? They just don't make things up like that. Um, and you got like a room full of scholars. A lot of times there's like, you know, the, you know, lots of scholars. And uh, I, I actually read a document the other the other day where it's like you got lots of scholars. It's almost like they're voting. You got lots of geniuses. These people are geniuses when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, and sometimes they actually do a vote and you can actually pull it up on the Internet. It's like so many scholars voted that this is this is legit, whereas other scholars voted that this could be like. It's it's amazing what they come up with and the reasons why they come up with it. You know, you got to do your research. You got to do it's almost like investigative. It's almost like forensics. You know, it's something that we just can't. Um, it's like, well, how do you know, you know, so-and-so pulled the trigger? Well, go through, listen to the trial, right? Listen to the trial, listen to all their evidence, Um they got DNA, you know, whatever. I mean, they got their reasons to believe what they believe. Uh, and I've heard a lot of it. I haven't heard all of it, right? I don't know at all, but I've heard a lot. And it's very amazing. It's amazing what these people um, study and, and what they, why they believe what they believe. It's just absolutely amazing. Lord willing, we might have some of these scholars um, on here. Uh, we had, uh, you know, um, Dr. Price on before. We had Dr. Jackson on before. Or I mean, Dr. Snyder, I should say. Um, and Lord willing, you know, maybe we'll have some other ones on as well, or paleographers, and go through all of this detail. Uh, it, it is a lot of detail. It's just it's something that's beyond the scope of our daily readings. But yeah. The answer to your question, Alex, is study. Study and research for yourself. Thank you for asking. One John says, no virgin birth is as important as no resurrection. That means that Mary was unrighteous and a fornicator and unfaithful to Joseph and changes the divinity of Christ. Well, no virgin birth doesn't necessarily mean that. That's taking it to the ultimate extreme. Uh, it could mean that Joseph is his legit father. And that's why Matthew followed the bloodline of Joseph. That's why, you know, Luke followed the bloodline of Joseph. Um, it, there's a lot of questions there. I mean, she can, I mean, Joseph could have married her and they could have had a, you know, uh, they could have had a child together. And maybe she, maybe there was no, um, you know, infidelity going on there at all. So um, we don't, you know, it's, virgin birth is one topic and whether Mary was faithful or righteous in that sense, that's another topic. But uh, yeah, you know, lots of things to, to think about. Kingdom Concepts says, I think the phrase made perfect should say made whole as in a new resurrected body. The way it's put is that 
Yeshua is made perfect through that, through the sufferings that he went through. I'm, I don't know if I can understand exactly how you are made whole by being mauled, <laughs> being mauled by these animals. I don't know how you can be made whole by that. I understand. I understand how someone can be made, made perfect through sufferings. Because it's through sufferings you build character, patience, endurance, faith, all this stuff. It's through sufferings. It's the sufferings that causes the affliction. It's the sufferings that is the, the affliction that brings about the humility that is that brings about the perfection. I get that. I see that as clear as, as day. I cannot, I do not see how anybody can be made whole by being flogged as badly as Jesus was flogged. And suffering as much as he suffered. Caballero says, didn't marry herself, say she was a virgin. Luke 1, 34, how can this be since I do not know a man? According to that, yes. You see, so, um, and that's, that's assuming that Luke that 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 particular passage is one hundred percent accurate, All right? So, I mean, if if it's not historically correct, let me just say, I'm just if it's not historically correct, and if they wanted to make Mary out to be immaculate, you know, like the perfect, like an angel, the queen of heaven, as they say, if they wanted to make her out to be the queen of heaven, perfect, immaculate concept, all that kind of thing, then they would have to put something like that in there anyway. Whether it was historically true or not, they'd have to put that in there anyway. It makes for a good, it, it, yeah, I mean, it just, that's part of the virgin birth story. Um, but yeah, so according to that story, yes, she did say that she was a virgin. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not making any statements here. I'm asking questions. Love the Truth says on TikTok, since the New Testament has so many contradictions, could Yeshua be the Messiah and great prophet, but not the Most High God? Um Yeah, like just because you got just because you have contradictions doesn't mean that you have a, a the entire story is false. I said this before that you look at every major event that happened in history, including what what, what we saw the world go through in the past few years. Okay, and every other major event in, in history, there's always been lots of contradictions, lots of stories that have been proven false and. There's lots of things. Does that mean the whole thing has never happened? No. It just means that there's a lot of falsehood and you know, you just gotta dig through the trash to find the to find the gold, right? So um yeah, so I would say yes, love the truth to that to that uh, question. Thank you for asking. Okay, so as far as I see. Okay, so as far as I see, I got all the questions. 
So I'm going to wrap it up. So tomorrow, again, we have another Arab Shabbat. Tomorrow night, Friday night, usually a very special night. And I am looking forward to a very special night. I will be doing a very special night. Um, not 100% sure if uh, Brother Will will be joining us or not. I have uh, sent him a message earlier. haven't heard back from him yet. So um, not sure if he'll be joining us tomorrow or not. Um, hopefully he does. But if he doesn't, uh, whether he does or not, uh, we'll be... Um, uh, we'll be doing what God will lead us to do tomorrow night. And uh, I've got something on my mind, and I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be um, it's going to be a great night, no matter what. Okay, so um, I, there's something that's been on my mind, it's been been on my heart that uh, I'd like to uh, speak to, speak about, and. Lord willing, I'll do that tonight. I'm not going to say exactly what it is right now, but if you're subscribed to me on YouTube, um, tomorrow, Lord willing, um, depends on uh, various uh, things here that happens. Uh, see if I hear from Will or not. Um, but all things considered, tomorrow I will um, schedule tomorrow night's live stream. And you'll see in the title and in the, in, in the description what is going to be spoken about tomorrow. Tammy says, have a wonderful night. Great reading. Great night. Thank you, Tammy. Blessings. Great Deception says, thank you, brother. Much love and blessings to you all. Thank you very much. Blessings multiplied to you as well. Great. You guys are awesome. As I always say, you guys are awesome. I really enjoy fellowshipping with you guys and, and interacting with you guys in the comments. I think it's just awesome. It's, you know, praise God, you know, praise God. Uh, Caballero says, thank you for responding to my questions. Good night and see you tomorrow. Good night, Caballero. Blessings to you and yours. Multiplied to you. Have a great night. Love the truth over there on TikTok says, thank you for sharing the most highest wisdom. Thank you. Thank you for joining and asking your questions as well. It's awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff. Question for move says, shalom. 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 Have a great one. Yat to Yabi the glory says, later all and much shalom multiplied back to you. Okay. All right, guys, that's it for tonight. Tomorrow night, same time, same place, 7 p.m. Eastern. That's 7 p.m. New York time for those of you in different parts of the world. We'll be back. And again, it's going to be a very special night. I have I have things on the go and I'm looking forward to it. And so once again, let your friends and your family members know about it. Anybody that would be willing to have some great fellowship with us, you know, um, you guys are awesome. I appreciate you guys. Appreciate every one of you. Much blessings. Much love to you guys. Billy says blessings. All right. As always, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen. See you tomorrow night.